The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleina. This show for many, many years, over almost seven years, has been about let's concern ourselves with a focus on this planet together. That'll bring us all together. There would be no arguing and no debates and no political arena, everything and who believes in what. It's the water, it's the water, it's the water. And my concern about fresh water is this this reason. There's out of all the water on earth, only three percent is fresh, one percent is usable. What is fresh water's primary focus with nature on earth is a solvent. It provides you the air you're breathing The breath of life besides your organisms are living, your organism is living, and Earth's organism is living with the water, fresh water. So let's stop and think about all that is important for all of us, for the life in in this Earth. Today we have Dr. Dwayne Cecil on, who is a Ph.D. He's an advisor with NOAA, and uh, we've had him on here many times. And today we're going to have a part two about the events on Mars that we didn't get to discuss the last time Dwayne was on. I want to get into that right away so that we can begin that subject without wasting any time. Uh, Our second guest will be Nancy Yonley, and we're going to talk about aging and, and living on this planet and aging. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. Did you know that the surface of your eye has a tear film, and that tear film by Na- with nature gives you an aqueous layer for the water. It's 98% water. What is a dry eye? What is vision impairment? Loss of water. Well, listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only product like it worldwide, with just a mist to supplement that tear film. We'll be right back with Dr. Dwayne Cecil. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. 
Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dwayne, are you with us? I'm here. Well, I know you're running, so I didn't want to waste a moment <laughs> today. Yeah. Very quickly with the audience, last time you were on, we, we said we'd have a part two about Mars and what is happening with the influence of Earth with Mars and other planets. Tell us a little bit about your background so that people can understand why you've been so fascinated and your knowledge is there to discuss this with us. Okay, well, quickly, I'm a, an applied scientist. I've uh, been looking at uh, predominantly Earth uh, processes, the surface of the Earth, for the last uh, about 35 years, um, always with decision support and, and uh, decisions being made from the science, not just for science itself. So I've always looked at particularly water resources and, and the influence that humans have on water resources on the surface of our planet, and, and how do we better plan for the impacts to our water resources as population grows, as the climate changes. Um, so I've predominantly uh, I've spent the 30, last 35 years, 35, 40 years, looking at <clears throat> what does the science tell us, and how can we communicate that to our politicians and decision makers in a way that they can make better informed decisions, not necessarily better decisions, but better informed decisions. So I've, I've spent my career really trying to communicate what the science tells me to um, local and state and, and national decision makers. Now, you just said something right there that I, I'm going to bring up and then we can go on. Uh, Dwayne, have you noticed out there, even during this campaign we had in the United States, and when people come on the different um, publications and all, they're using a vocabulary to try to impress people with their knowledge. Have you noticed, I have been noticing this, they're going to lose a lot of people because there's people that don't understand that vocabulary, and there's common sense to what they're saying, but they're not going to the common sense. They're going into a much more detailed, complex way to describe it. Now, you've always used the common sense with, with this show, but have you noticed this with people? They, it's like uh, they expect everybody to understand because communications is more than it's ever been in history. Well, maybe people are not connecting with the common sense of what they just said, and they were left behind. Yeah, but I, I see it all the time. I uh, two weeks ago, I was in Salt Lake City for a supercomputing uh, conference that's uh, held about this time every year, and was in Seattle uh, last year. It's in Salt Lake City this year, be in Denver next year. So it, it moves around the country, but it's it brings together uh, representatives from all the large computer uh, production firms and and from the think tanks that are developing computer science and applications. And we had a a day long workshop there called Climate Knowledge Discovery Workshop. <clears throat> Excuse me. And my presentation was next to the last at the end of the day. And, and all day long I sat there listening to 
scientists talking about computer visualization tools that they're developing for each other to handle petabytes, huge, large climate data sets, satellite climate data sets, in situ uh, produced climate data sets, literally decades and decades of climate data. And, And these tools are being developed to display and communicate this climate information to other climate scientists, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and so one of the tools that we're working on here at the National Climatic Data Center is for natural resource managers, uh, marine protected area managers, water resource managers. And so I liken it, I, I wish I could show you this slide, Sharon, but I liken it to, I have a, a, a photograph of a little girl standing in a yard being hit in the face by a fire hose of water and the next picture is the same little girl sitting, sipping from a cup of tea. And that's the challenge that I see in climate science is that we talk to each other all the time. We share our data with each other. We share our interpretations of the data with each other. And then when you go to someone who could use that information to make better informed decisions, you hit them with this fire hose because you understand it and you hit them with all this information and what they really want is that cup of tea to just sit down and, and take their time and understand what can make their lives more meaningful and, and use the science in their life for, for making a better informed decision. And you just you can't get there with the fire hose, and that's what we have done my entire career, scientists talking to scientists, talking to engineers. And then we turn around to talk to the general public or we talk to decision makers, and we hit them with the same information, and it's yeah. just it's just too much. It, well, what's happening today is uh, it's like they're trying to in, in, uh, explain to the world all these different categories of different topics, and they're all meshing from one to the other, but they're trying to impress people how much they know, and they're losing people. I've, I, I cannot believe how people have not understood what is happening out there and the more complexity, but, but it's all common sense, too, because there's, there's average people that go to work every day. They're doing their jobs. They get very stereotyped. I hate to say it, but they become very complexity. Uh, uh, I'm not complexity. They get very, uh, their habits are there. They get very bored because it's the same job, the same thing every day, and then you're listening to what they have to say, uh, whether you're reading it or whatever it is. And the people are not digesting what this is. They can't because of the way it's being um, uh, the way the way it's being discussed, mm-hmm. the way it's being presented. And you're right. Good for you. I like that fire hose. In fact, I have to tell you one real quickly. I've held a fire hose once. I know how <laughs> powerful they are. Yes. A lot of my listeners might not. One time, my husband and I, so far back in time, about 36 years ago, tore, tore down a because we wanted the timbers, a 100-year-old mill. We bought it and took a crew in, and Bill asked me to come the next week, and I could help him with the heister. I drove the heister and uh, for what we were doing to load the timbers. But then we, the deal was with whatever was left, we would uh, burn with, with all the approval of the fire department local. Mm-hmm. And then Bill said, okay, I'm turning on the fire hoses. Everybody hang on. And he handed me one too, Dwayne. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> and Dwayne, I said to Bill, 
as soon as that thing went on, the water went in that fire hose, I'm standing there with my five foot four and a half, probably about 120 pounds then. I weigh a little less now, but I'm hanging on and my knee is holding onto that hose against my knee. And I said, if you don't turn that off, I'm going to become a Mary Poppins. Well, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and yeah, just those imagine. fire hoses are strong. <laughs> and imagine someone trying to understand what's happening in their environment around them. Exactly. And the scientist stands there and, and just dumps all this information out. I like the fire hose one. And, well, I'll, I'll send you a, a copy of the slide. It, it really, and they're photographs. They're not drawings. They're photographs of a little girl standing in the yard, and she's just getting peppered in the face. And then the next picture is the same little girl with a cup of tea, and that's what we're trying to get at. Is, right. What information do you feel like you really need to make better informed decisions for whatever it is? You're a water purveyor provider, you're an energy provider, you're um, a city planner, you're an educator, whatever. You know, tell us in the climate community what it is that you need from us, and, mm-hmm. and, and we should provide it in a cup of tea. You can sit down, you can think about it, you can analyze it. And then it makes more sense. And I've, I've told you before, when I was the, the Western Region Climate Services Director for NOAA and worked out of the regional office in Salt Lake City, I regularly attended meetings with Western Governors Association. And if I walked in the room and started talking climate variability and change, and here's the science, and here are the data, and here's what it's telling us, I lost them. It didn't make any difference if they were Republican, Democrat, Independent. If I would walk in the room and talk about water, Every single one of them needs water for development of their states and, yeah. and to be able to sustain industry Fresh in their water. states. And, and then you have their attention. So yeah. we as scientists, and I've said this before on your show too, we as scientists have done a really terrible job in the United States of communicating what the data tell us in ways that matter to individual groups and communities and we just we have not done a good job at that well we're going to learn thanks to you and people like yourself now today you wanted to tell us about uh more about because we were talking about mars and and the last time you were on and tell us about what you felt like we didn't cover then um we didn't really get a chance to talk too much about the kinds of things that the the current uh mars rover called curiosity uh, we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about right. some of the uh, data and information that that particular set of instruments is sending back. Um, there's, and I'll talk just quickly about a, a few of the things that are on board that uh, set of instruments. There's a, a miniature thermal emission spectrometer, and what that does is allows scientists to look at the infrared wavelengths coming off of uh, different kinds of minerals at the surface of Mars, and then from that information, we can get a, a good idea of what kind of minerals we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Then there's other instruments with that thermal emission or, or heat-emitting uh, sensor. There's another in- instrument that looks for, in particular, iron, in particular, iron-bearing minerals. So the the heat-emitting spectrometer, heat-emitting instrument is looking for a suite or a a collection of minerals. This other uh, instrument is looking for iron-bearing minerals in particular. Now, and you can guess why it's looking for uh, minerals that contain iron, because 
then scientists can sit and look at the information, the data that's sent back, and determine what role water played mm-hmm. in the formation of the minerals, particularly the iron-bearing minerals. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's also a, a uh, microscopic camera or imager that uh, looks at the fine scale of the rocks and minerals, the actual uh, how they look. The color and the, the color and, and the angularity of the mm-hmm. grains, the texture. That's that's right. And so you start putting this kind of information together. And, and what what really what the scientists, the team of scientists are looking for, are evidence of water formation or water influencing the formation at the surface of Mars mm-hmm. at some time in the past. Mm-hmm. So um, the information is coming back. They are finding. Um, lots of evidence that there was, in fact, uh, at one time or another, um, evidence of, of water at the surface of Mars. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, it really is. It well, really it is amazing. amazing. You know, it's like I've said to you on the show is that here Earth has the water, and we've got to make sure we have to work very hard and thanks to people like yourself and, and, and our explorations going into these other planets, not thinking about going on a thrill trip to be on a vacation, but what can we explore to learn away from Earth about what has happened with other uh, planets, other uh, uh, neighbors in the galaxy there of the universe. What have they had happen that we don't want to have happen? Right. And that's the common sense. There we go. And uh, we want to be able to, and if everybody that's listening would find it a hobby to stop and think about what can I do to participate in making sure that Earth's water is here for eternity. But I'm talking about fresh water, too. Hmm. I'm not talking about just seawater, the 97%. I'm talking about that 3% or that 1% that we use. Right. That, that really is a good segue into something else I wanted to, to, to touch on for a little bit today, if we could, and that's uh, there's a, an EPA program, Environmental Protection Agency program, that's, uh, I think it's about five years old now. It's called State and Local Climate and Energy Program. And the EPA instigated this with, with grants um, so that at the local level, People can get involved in how they manage water and energy resources at the local level. I just wanted to, to give you a, a couple examples of that. You know, the, the National Climatic Data Centers in North Carolina, in Asheville, North Carolina, where I work now, and one of the uh, case studies through the state and local climate energy program that EPA administers right here in North Carolina in Yancey and Mitchell counties and what the county administrators there were able to do was get an EPA grant to help them build a plant on their landfills that actually collects the gas from the decaying products in the landfill, catches the gases coming off of that, and they actually use it to produce energy. Huh. And, and also, with this grant, they were able to then build also a, a small um, educational facility at the landfills, and they could bring students through local uh, small schools bring the students through and educate students on how you can actually use the waste in the landfills to generate electricity. Uh, okay, that's, that's back up for a minute, because so, I like to st- uh, stop and ask, what, what, what was it doing to produce uh, energy? I mean, you're going to think I'm asking a very common sense question, mm-hmm. but 
What was it doing? Uh, they actually used the the gas to the gas. So to, there was a gas run generator right there. Right, there's gas coming off of the waste. So in the how landfill. could they collect enough out of that air to do that? I'm, right. I know I'm 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 curious. Yep, yep. Well, uh, just to give you an idea, the just in these two counties, Yancey and Mitchell counties, um, they produced enough gas off the landfill to produce enough energy that they actually reduced their carbon dioxide equivalents to the atmosphere of 4,000 metric tons. That's how much gas they were producing off this landfill. And just think of how many landfills there are out there. In the United oh, that, that is something that doesn't that uh, When you were a child, did you ever stop to think about it? I didn't. And then all of a sudden today, uh, here in, in Josephine County, they have to truck away mm-hmm. to another city uh, two hours away our garbage. Yeah, yep. And uh, and we and and then you look at oh Dwayne also the um, monster storm Hurricane Sandy what are they going to do with all of that? Uh, it's 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 mind-boggling and, and and just give you a little more detail on on what they're doing with with the gases off of these landfills in these two counties in North Carolina uh-huh. they are using those gases to to fire um, glass blowing kilns and furnaces pottery kilns. Oh, and greenhouses that that they've dedicated to local flora and fauna to educate the students. So they're they're wow. using the gas the, the gases are given off in these landfills to actually fire kilns and and produce um, glass products and and pottery and and grow plants to educate the now, students. Now, how do they collect that, Dwayne? Um, well, that that you know that that's where they needed the grant. They they have to build a facility. Right at the landfill okay. to collect the gas, and then they have to get it, and the kilns have to be close by. So, I mean, these are local projects, and that's just right. that's just one example. Oh yes. Um, another well, I thing, call that you know, Dwayne, that's recycling. It is. It's recycling. And uh, you know, the word I just I, I love that word. I really like that word recycling, because then and we I think that was what was meant to be. Because when Earth has its seasons, it's time to recycle per season mm-hmm. what Earth is doing with nature. And we on Earth, we're planned here to do many things that we haven't really thought about, that we're trying to be too complex and not use common sense with all that's here to recycle. Well, and, and, and another thing that I wanted to briefly talk about today, uh, and I've only got a few more minutes, but, um, you know, it's 40 years now since the United States passed the Clean Water Act in 1972. Uh It's been 40 years, four decades. And think yourself, uh, with your experience with with water in this country, think yourself, how many communities can you name that recycle and reuse water on a regular basis? Do you have any examples that come to mind quickly? I mean, no, four, I de- four decades. Oh, uh, they, uh, it's Singapore. <laughs> outside uh, this country. No, I, I know. It's, you're right. You know, Forty years now we've had the Clean Water Act, which was monumental on the face of the earth for a country this size and this developed to, to pass the Clean Water Act. And how many examples do we have that you can think of or that I can think of of where we've actually recycled, reused water. Okay, we're I'm starting to see them in larger you're, cities. You're like the New one York. involved in all of that. Where would we find in this country, in America, they're recycling the water? Well, we're actually starting to see in in the larger cities like New York and Chicago that they actually are 
collecting rainwater in ways that they hadn't collected it in the past on, on top of skyscrapers and large buildings and apartment buildings and starting to recycle that water. Um, there's also uh, some examples, places like Dubuque, Iowa, where they, they have incentives for citizens to, to collect and reuse and recycle. But, I mean, there's, there's not very many examples on a regular basis. And one of the problems, and I've talked about this before on your, on your show, one of the problems, in my opinion, is that this country, the United States, does not have an energy policy, we have no water policy, and we have no climate variability and change in weather policy. There is no national policy. We change from administration to administration. We change from political party to political party. We change from economic situation to economic situation. And we react to things like Sandy and Katrina, and we don't have a Can policy. Can I tell you one, and you, this is my opinion. I think what's happened in our country, our forefathers have got to be turning over in their grave they run for an election. The day the election is done, they're running for the next election. They're not keeping their mind behind the desk on the focus of what they're there for. No, our country is uh, absolutely, the, our forefathers have got to be very, very upset at what has happened here. It, it's, it, uh, you cannot sit behind a desk and run for the next election. No. You're not sitting behind the desk. Your mind, I have a word called distraction. If you're being distracted, you're not into the business of what you need to do for what you were elected to do. You're running for the next election, and that is what's happening. But back to one more minute left here. You are right. There's something that has to be done here to get our, we're at 50 states. We've got to get our focus back into what's priority to our infrastructure and our infrastructure is just the, what you said, energy, water, and the health of our infrastructure here in the United States. Yeah, and I've, I've built exactly what you just said into my explanation to decision makers of climate variability and change for their locale. Because if you, if you talk to a politician, decision maker, a, a, a local uh, state community leader about what the climate, what you think the climate might be like, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, like you see in these large United Nations climate reports, you've lost them because they care about two years, four years, and six years. That's how often they run for office, and that's what they care about. And if you talk to them about impacts to their resource base on 90-day to two-year seasonal forecasts with climate and weather change, now you've got their attention. Well, you get their attention if they're affected personally. You do. And this is what happened with Hurricane Sandy. But, again, uh, thank you again. Full of information. And let's do it again. Let's do it. And uh, we'll take just 30 minutes each time because I know how busy you are. Let's do it. Let's let's talk about some more examples of where people really are responding to these kinds of things. Exactly. I'll bring you some, some good examples. Good for that. And then let's post them after we're done. Okay. Okay. You have a very nice day. You too. Thanks. Thank you for taking time again. Thank you. Bye, Dwayne. Bye-bye. Well, Dwayne could only be on with us about 30 minutes today, so we tried to get as much in there, and we did. And I want the audience to know this is why this show is on for all these years. It's the water, it's the water, it's the water. And, you know, there's an infrastructure plan on the planet Earth, but here in the United States we've got to decide about a priority of what is most important to our health our safety, and what we want to get up every day and be uh, 
an infrastructure for us to be able to live a healthy life and be safe on our country and think about what is most important for each person. Each person, if you remember what I just said, is a person. I don't care how much money you have in your pocket. It has nothing to do with money. In fact, I think China would tell you it has nothing to do with money when they're thinking about their problems, the pollution and the water pollution and the air pollution and their apartments pollution. Their clothing is polluted. Everything is polluted because of the problems they have. And they didn't think it out, but they're trying to think about. But will money take care of it for how many generations? It may not be solved. So what we have to think about here is what our forefathers did for us. And nobody is perfect, but they did a great job here. They divided it in 50 states. They gave us the willing to work so hard and do what we need to do from any walk of life, any walk of life to be here, living here in America, as each person has the ability to give of themselves to helping a better life for somebody else. This is what the show is about, and it's the water, it's the water, it's the water. I want to thank Dwayne. And remember, you're made up of mostly water. Those 50 trillion cells is what I'm after for you to, to take serious. And the earth has its water. And did you know that 6,000 children die a day because their countries are not giving them water? Come on, let's join together and humiliate those countries. It's time they get embarrassed of what they're doing with 6,000 innocent children's lives a day. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, a supplement for your eyes. Are your eyes blurry? Do you get tired easily? Are they dry? Do they feel like a sandpaper? Do you get allergies easier, so easy and common colds? It's because your eyes are dry. You don't have the immunity protection you need. You need a supplement, a drink of water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and be right back with Nancy Yonley. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Nancy, are you with us? Yes, I am, Sharon. Good well, morning. Well, thank you for doing this today. I, I'm looking forward to 
discussing. It's been a long time since we've had you on on our aging, and that's been your background. Your professional career has been working with people uh, with aging, and in the retirement homes and the nursing homes, and and with the state of Oregon. And um, experiencing t- it personally. And you're what? And, of course, experiencing it personally. And you're personally <laughs> aging like everybody else is aging from birth. Yes. I look at that baby in the delivery room at that moment. Uh, they came from uh, the pocket of water, and they entered into the Earth's environment of, uh, they call it water and the fitness of the environment, to live. But all of a sudden, the baby has its moments. It begins to be an individual, all the way to passing away with dehydration from moment is born to death. And, you know, I like to look at everything as living, the living water and the living, those molecules uh, in that 50 trillion cells that are there. And what have you been learning uh, through the years? And I know you've had so much experience. Do you think people prepare to age? Um, I think that we're all preparing I'm, from the moment we're born. However, I'm not, um, I do not think we do it consciously and focused. And it's uh, um, a, not a process that, it, it's more like things that come to us through often media, uh, chatter, rather than something that we are preparing for, thinking about, processing, um, getting in touch with nature, uh, you know, grounding, coming from a very grounded perspective of focus and growth. Excuse me, I have to have a drink of water. Well, you know what, when you said, Nancy, that you do, we do do prepare this from birth, our bodies are doing it. Yes. Our, uh, mentally, we're, <clears throat> are we? And do we ever get to the point that we could hardly wait to grow up and, a- and we're aging along the way? And, and, the ch- and the little one says, oh, I can hardly wait to get out of the crib mentally. And then the little one's going into running and wa- uh, wa- uh, walking and running. And, and so our, but our body is in control of us. And we, we, we have a control there, even though we're doing things to probably create a problem with the body by not eating right, not drinking enough water. But the cycle of our body is aging, whether we like it or not. Do you really believe mentally that people are realizing? And Nancy, you've got to say it. Everybody's saying it. Time is going faster than ever in history because we're being tugged and pulled from every direction with the radios on, the televisions on. We're, go- we're getting out in the car and going places more than ever in history. Time is going fast. I think that we truly don't take time to enjoy the aging process, the learning, uh, enjoy the significant trivialities of life through consciousness, uh, such as eating, being aware of the textures and tastes and how food nourishes our body, conscious, the total consciousness of our body, not the passing glamour, but how this magnificent instrument functions, every part moving with precision 
And it's so forgiving for so long. Uh, the cells, tissues, muscles, organs, and systems. Well, how often do we take time to actually say thank you? Thank you to our body. Appreciation. Uh, drinking water, which is necessary to lubricate all of those systems, everything that's working with all of that precision, um, it provides us with such a high quality of life. And then dehydration. I think, I think most of us are aware that the gift of aging also, um, we have changes in all of those systems. Our bodies need that balance a balance of um, time to think, uh, time to appreciate, um, the gratitude that uh, comes with what we might call um, the beginning of wisdom, which is, I think, the highest type of thinking. It consists in... um, So what you're thinking is, and I know people would agree with you because you've had so much experience around people in in retirement homes or nursing homes and stages of life with your professional medical career. When we're young, let's don't try to push it too quickly. It's going to come. Grasp it when you're young. Learn when you're young. Um, Let's say even as a young person in grade school, in high school, and, and, and when we move away from home, we're on our own. What did you learn when you were home to prepare for the life, to be healthy, to have a great outlook in life, an attitude of life? Deal with the obstacles, but stay healthy. And don't think about, uh, I'm going to be old here soon. I'm going to take it a stage at a time and not rush it. Do you, have you ever noticed how people are in such a hurry and how quickly they're aging because they're always in a hurry? They can't sit still. Absolutely. I think one of the things that we also, along with uh, trying to balance, you know, we always talk about um, aging um, and living and trying to, the quest for balancing our, uh, perhaps our idealism and realism uh, process of balancing those two ingredients. And it does start from the beginning. we need to acquire proper proportions. I think it's kind of like clay used by the artist, neither too hard or too dry, but just right. And creativity, humor, laughter, absolutely. Learn to be a little lazy along the way so you can have some space around yourself. And and that's that's one of the things, Sharon. We think of, there is a, a tendency to think about when we, Stop to actually think, um, often called meditation, but it's focus, mm-hmm. and it's often perceived in our culture as lazy. Instead of being a little lazy, it's healthy. Uh, it's not lazy. I really okay, right. There, really, what would you call it? I would call it uh, the importance of. Um, Breathing consciously, living consciously. Uh, well, the reason I chose the word lazy a little bit here, and I'll explain it to the audience, is that when you take time to sit still 
and and don't don't think about what you're going to do in the next hour. Don't think about right. getting in the car, and and don't be worried about somebody thinking you're not actively physically moving around, being seen doing something. Don't be concerned about sitting still, being quiet. Uh, sitting on a lawn, sitting in a swing, looking at the over water, at the river, uh, sitting uh, in a park and being alone, and don't be worried about being alone while you do it, because it seems that time slows down when you're alone. It gives you a chance to have some moment of privacy. Do we ever have that privacy to be not ashamed or worried about being? Quiet, and, and I call that being a little moment of laziness, but you're right about the word. There could be a better word, but it's a moment that people feel so funny about anymore, Nancy. I know. They have to be so busy. And it's, uh, it's just counter. That energy, that, that electrolytic energy in the molecules of the hydrogen atom that has to be going constantly, constantly, constantly. And that is too, that is unhealthy. The person has got to learn to slow down, smell the roses, like you just said, take a breath of air and live with the planet Earth, listen to the birds, walk on the soil as a living soil and take some time. It'll slow your life down as far as aging. But now you and I have many times on the show through the years talked about drinking water and aging. You watched the people when they were in the nursing homes and retirement centers, and I know you were focusing on making sure they drank adequate amount of water, fresh water, no added ingredients every single day so they could slow down the dehydration of aging. What I really attempt to do and attempted to do at that time and still do is I do believe we're so much more effective if we we choose one small change, something that can improve our life. And with that was what I saw as the probably, not probably, it was a top priority because as with the aging process, there's often um, association of some form of dementia. And research shows, and I firmly believe, and I watched the process of dehydration and how it affects the brain. And that was something people could understand and was meaningful to them. Uh, so starting to increase the water, I started very gradually. You know, drink a full glass when you're taking a pill instead of a sip. Right. And take the time to wait, you know, and encourage, and then to continue that process gradually. And it, it did make a difference. I mean, I was able, over a 10-year period of time, to witness, what kinds of changes happened. And uh, so, yes, I, I became um, an advocate in the, from the highest form for water and dehydration, the effects of dehydration, and uh, especially with the aging process um, because it, it's, it's a national epidemic. Now, and, you've been in the medical field for over 50 years. 
can you know think about if the body's made up of fifty trillion cells, and then uh, and you're walking and 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 the, and and you're all of a sudden you're looking at yourself as okay, the priority to my body. Let's say men are seventy five, sixty to seventy five percent water. Women are fifty five to sixty five percent. A brand new baby is seventy five percent water. And we could go on and on. The muscles are 75% water. The brain is 80% water. At the surface of the eyes is 98% water. The skin is 68, and we could go on and on. The blood is 10% water, uh, 70% water. What, are we, what is the priority to the nutrient? What is the most important nutrition we can give ourselves? Water. Uh, absolutely. And water is what earth brought to this earth with nature to be the solvent. And the word solvent means to do what it means. It, it, it takes and dissolves. And, uh, and when you're doing, it's not a solution, it's the solvent. And people overlooked in science even, the fresh water is brought to earth to be a solvent, a cleansing agent, to clean. So if people are not drinking enough water, like you said, they should drink a full glass with each one of the supplements, full glass with a medication of prescription, a full glass even if they're not taking anything from morning to night, don't worry about going to the restroom, to the bathroom uh, to eliminate as often as you can. That's getting rid of toxin and, 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 and uh, digestion. That is what people have got to learn, Nancy. And when you were at those nursing homes, when they came in, I had a woman on here, her husband had had Alzheimer's, and she was president of the Alzheimer's Association here in America. And she said, you know, Sharon, when I think back about my husband, he didn't like water, so I don't think he really drank a lot of water. And that's that's the common story, um, unfortunately. But... It is, I do recognize, uh, you know, the constant need for replenishment of um, water in our system. However, I really, uh, from that experience, I also encourage people to do it earlier in the day because what would happen realistically is if they drink too much too late and was up too often in the night, then you're then you're getting to another problem, and that's the sleep. So I do, I do think that we need to start early in the day when we first get up. We well, I've got people, as soon as they get out of bed, their first Absolutely. glass of water, full glass because of water. Because we get then. up dehydrated. Right. And uh, that's, I think, the absolutely most, uh, one of the most important things is to get that, if I could do anything, that was the major goal. Mm-hmm. Start the day, and then so it, then it begins to trigger. But I understand the the late late night drinking, <laughs> and it's just um, it becomes um, a, a thing of energy. You know, you um, you just um, need your you need your sleep. You need to rest, and we do need the fluid. Uh, to prepare our body for sleep, I understand that also. So it's a fine, you know, it's just a, a fine line of trying to get again that balance of life, the balance of living, um, which I think is uh, well. It will slow aging. If you, it's tra- strange, but I used to say before I started studying water, you know, that 
all the cosmetic fields and the plastic surgeons and all the Botox and all the things that have come since, that uh, they're trying to slow the appearance, it's called, right. of aging. Right. If they want to slow aging yes. and you want to have less colds, you want yes. to have less allergies, you want to sleep well, you, you will make sure you have plenty of water during the day. Absolutely. Fresh water with no added ingredients. Um, then everything comes together. Uh, uh, the body has more energy. Uh, the body's a better competitor as far as you were an athlete. But all life on earth is being very competitive. You get up in the morning competing against who yourself. And what you need, of course, water, good nutrition. Now, when you were working in the nursing homes and heading those retirement centers and you were doing, did you find that they were starting to change the diet? When did you find that they found that the diet is not just meat, potatoes, and gravy? Because remember, at one time in our lives, meat, potatoes, and gravy uh, were a big deal in the nursing homes. When did you find out in the retirement centers that they started thinking about nutrition will help our people be healthier? You know, that was a a constant concern and a long process of change. I think it's still going on, Sharon. Um, It it takes a long time. Change is our our friend, and we do it constantly, but conscious change Do you think they're not changing quickly because the people who are going in there want their meal to be a satisfaction of what they're after, so they're not changing into a, a... It's a form of comfort. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Um, and we're comfortable with, we're often comfortable with familiarity. Mm-hmm. And when, especially in making transitions, life transitions, mm-hmm. um, so if we have that familiarity and it, it in our mind is associated with a sense of security and comfort, then it's a process. It's a process of gentle but consistent change. And, and maybe I, you're thinking uh, eating is a comfort, but it's also an entertainment to the person. Right. In other words, uh, we've learned through cultures that when we're eating, we're entertaining ourselves. It doesn't mean it's healthy at the moment, but it's a comfort of entertaining ourselves. And I think that's great. I, I think that association... Uh, take, I, I don't believe that the general family today is taking time to be aware of the textures and taste and how food nourishes our body, the consciousness of our body again. Um, so I think that part is wonderful, and I'd love to see that become more dominant in our current families to where we're actually sitting down, paying attention, uh, communicating, having a connection, not just with the food but with everything that goes with that. I think the fast food revolution has, um, we've been shortchanged a bit in our family. Um, Do you believe it was the fast food or the fact that mother is no longer a household engineer, she's working too? I think both. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, I look back on it that uh, when the mother's going to work and the father's going to work and their schedules are maybe not the same and, and the kids have their activities or daycare school or babysitting um, nursery schools or 
whatever, and all of a sudden they're coming home in a hurry, they're coming home maybe late, and they're trying to take their energy toward the family, not standing in the kitchen cooking, that the fast food uh, business became much more dominant because people were looking for food on the way home. Right. It's, it, be, it has... It, it has to, and I understand that. You know, I'm, I well, have I lived we many, have come a long many, way, Nancy, too, because now you can go yeah. and buy good food. Yes, yes, healthy food. There's Absolutely. so many more choices. And, and I enjoy knowing where it's from. I enjoy, and I love this uh, table, uh, farm to table idea. This catching oh, on fun? so so quickly. And children are beginning to learn again that food actually comes from the earth. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, that is it doesn't a good one. just come out yeah. of a box. Yeah, that is a good one because uh, there's an era of children, young people, adults coming that really are – have you seen the excitement worldwide of people really wanting to take – value the gift they were given their life and they really want to take better care of themselves oh, I and love learn it. just I what you said. Yes, I'm seeing those yeah. seeds being planted. Yeah. And it's just so oh, it's just wonderful. And I not go to the I'm, medicine cabinet before you learn how I really enjoy having people tell me what they did to study the symptom they have. And they tell me these different directions they went, thanks to the Internet. Uh, in old world, we used to use the library and the reference librarian. But uh, back to, and then sleeping correctly, this is something. So we drink plenty of water, have right food, and good nutrition, and less starch, less calories, less carbohydrate, and then sleep well is the key ingredients to slowing aging. And uh, But we've only got a, a moment left, Nancy. How would you leave the audience thinking about when we're aging every day from the beginning of birth, what should we be thinking? Well, I think that um, taking it in small bites again, a step at a time, I think that we need to actually, the key word is we need to be thinking, uh, to be conscious of, uh, I, I believe, for me, understanding how this wonderful body works, understanding, if, if I could give a gift to anyone, that would be the best gift that I can think of to give, is to actually review the systems just briefly, just enough to get that gratification, to feel the gratitude of the from taking that first the deep breath and uh, letting it out and understanding what all is happening this this body is a miracle it's a miracle at birth it continues to be a miracle and throughout a lifespan so if if we get that then everything else will follow uh, the desire to, I mean, to actually be, to touch this body, to know it's alive, to know that we can, we are thinking creatures. Well, we're we out can of choose. Time. Yeah, um, darn it. Uh, I agree with all that. And I think the listener is thinking, you know, maybe it's time I started looking at this, uh, who I am as a special gift to me, the person yes. they are. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm out of time. I've only got a half a minute left to close the show. 
Thank you for joining us today. And I think we've got everybody out there thinking it is fun to age, but we don't have to rush it. Right, Nancy? Absolutely. (laughs) It is You have a nice day. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for taking your time and joining us. Bye. Bye. Well, Earth, you know, I think what it is is, remember, I've said, we are water. The Earth is going to live on water. You heard Dr. Cecil today say it's the water. It's fresh water. And we need to learn to recycle. So what can you do in your own home, your own life? But you can recycle the water through your body to to live healthier, to be a person who you are is based on the water you're drinking and your health and your symptoms, and slowing down aging. It will work. Embrace your life every moment of the day. Like Nancy said, it's special to you personally. But also you'll be embracing somebody else's life when you, when you know yours is special too. Theirs will be special. But Earth whispers to us something. And if you stop and listen with everything quiet and listen to Earth very quietly, Earth is whispering, never say goodbye. Leave something of yourself behind. You are that special. So remember, Earth whispers, never say goodbye. I want to thank you for listening. It has been, I really want to thank Polly Featherton for getting our guest today. I want to thank Bonnie Mark for being the executive secretary for the show. I want to thank World Talk Radio, Voice America, Apple iTunes, and, and uh, everything out there that is making this show possible all these years. I want to thank you all. Thank you for listening. You have a nice day. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 